This PBS NewsHour podcast is supported in part by Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. Their scientists played a substantial role in developing more than half the cancer drugs approved by the FDA in the last five years. Dana-Farber Cancer Institute is changing lives everywhere. Find out more at DanaFarber.org slash everywhere. From the House Speaker race to new fundraising halls in the 2024 campaign for the White House, there's some big election news to break down with our Politics Monday team. That's Amy Walter of the Cook Political Report with Amy Walter and Tamara Keith of NPR. So lots to talk about. Glad to have you both here. Jim Jordan, he is shoring up support ahead of this speakership vote tomorrow. What's the word from the White House, Tam, about a potential House Speaker Jim Jordan? Steve Scalise, when he was the nominee for all of one or two days, Democrats were saying that he was somebody that they, they, they could work with. What's the, what's the word on Jim Jordan? It's not, oh, we can work with this guy. Though President Biden was asked about the possibility of a Jim Jordan speakership about 10 days ago, and he was like, well, there are other people who I would have an easier time working with, but I'll try, was basically the message. I checked White House visitor logs. Jim Jordan hasn't been to the White House during the Biden presidency. He went to the White House a lot during the Trump presidency, including to, to get an award from Trump at the very end and, and various meetings and other things. Um, he hasn't been to the White House during the Biden presidency for things like a Christmas party or a congressional picnic. It's just not a thing. There is no relationship. Um, however, I've spoken to people who uh, have known Biden for years and say, He'll figure this out. He'll figure out how to work with whoever he has to work with. But let's just remember, Jim Jordan is actively investigating President Biden, pursuing an impeachment against President Biden, um, has basically railed against every budget deal ever, and now is potentially the person who the White House will have to deal with to keep the government functioning. Um, this could be a real challenge for the White House in terms of governing. Yeah. Well, there is the question of can Jim Jordan get these 217 House votes? There's also this additional question of should he? Should he be House Speaker? Should someone who actively tried to overthrow the election and thwarted with, uh, coordinated with Donald Trump behind the scenes to thwart Joe Biden's win, uh, is that someone who should lead the Republican Party and who should be in the line of succession? What does that say about the Republican Party? Well, that is the question, right? You ask, if you go into the Republican conference and had a vote that was completely anonymous and said, how many of you really want Donald Trump as our nominee? Majority of that conference would say, no, we want somebody else. They will not say that publicly. They say a lot privately, too. Same things about Jordan. But publicly, they're in this place that they've been really since the Trump era. You make a decision to go against that wing of the party. You either vote for an impeachment or you say something on the campaign trail or you speak up and speak out against somebody like a Donald Trump, and you are punished in a primary, or you are, you know, ba basically told <laughs> that we're we're not interested in you. So if you are part of that wing, I would call them, and they would call themselves the governing wing of the party versus, or we'll call them the Trump skeptics versus the Trump um, uh, folks who the the people who really like Donald die Trump. Hearts. Yes, yeah. the Trump yeah. diehards, um, the skeptics have a choice in front of them. They either say, we're not gonna pick uh, Jordan. We don't know who's next. We know nobody else can get to 217. And so we're gonna live in this chaos of the government literally not able to function for the foreseeable future. Or we can uh, get all get behind Jim Jordan, 
who in the short term will allow Congress to function, but in the long term, we're going to probably be back where we've always been, which is getting in a fight to keep the government open because Jordan is not going to be particularly interested in negotiating with the reality, which is there's still a Senate controlled by Democrats mm -hmm. and there's still a, a White House president. So that's where that wing finds themselves. They say, we want to govern, we want to get things done, we don't want any more chaos. And yet the people that they're supporting publicly, getting behind, even though privately they're not happy with them, are the very people that are making this chaos a reality. Tim, using Amy's point of the, the short term, long term, I understand you spoke to a Democratic consultant who said in the long term, this could be great for Democrats. Right. So Democrats do actually care about governing. So in the short term, it is pretty problematic to be facing down potentially another government shutdown uh, in, the, at, in the middle of next month, right before Thanksgiving. Uh, however, the campaign ads will write themselves, uh, is what this consultant was telling me, that um, you know they are going to be able to say, look at this extreme Speaker of the House. Here are these Republicans who claim to be moderates, who come from suburban districts uh, that Joe Biden won in 2020. This person who claims to be a moderate is following the orders of an extreme MAGA Republican who uh, was involved in January 6th and tried to overturn the election and all of these other things. Um, and they're going to try to paint, and will probably have a pretty easy time of it, paint all of these Republicans who will be running for re-election in 2024 as just part of that side of the party. And we should say a House Speaker does more than just preside over the House. He or she is also expected to raise a ton of money. <laughs> right. And yes. Kevin McCarthy was a phenomenal fundraiser. He, he mm -hmm. raised like what, like $22 million just this past summer for the, for the Republican PAC that helped members of Congress. Jim Jordan doesn't have a track record, one, for legislating or for raising or money. Or for raising money. Um, he raised some, some money for himself, but in terms of being able to get those institutional donors, and those institutional donors are also the same people who right now are trying to organize around an alternative to Donald Trump, who are funding the super PACs that are keeping folks like Tim Scott and some of these, uh, Ron DeSantis, in the game right now. They would like to see someone other than Jim Jordan. They didn't mind Kevin McCarthy. They supported Paul Ryan. They gave money to Paul Ryan and, and uh, John Boehner's organizations. It's going to be hard for them to write checks to Jordan, especially if they think, well, the House is going to flip anyway. Mm. There's only a five-seat majority that Republicans have. This may be what gives Democrats the the advantage to win. So they may be able to hedge their bets here and say, even though they're in the majority right now, we're not going to give the same kind of money because they may not be here for very long. Well, speaking of fundraising, we got the third quarter fundraising totals for the 2024 uh, crop of nominees to include also President Biden. You see him there at the top with $71 million. If you look at the number for Mike Pence, raised $3.3 million. What you don't see there is that his campaign is apparently $600,000 in debt and he had to lend himself $150,000 of his own money. It really reflects uh, the lack of traction that he's getting in this primary. I mean, the, the fundraising totals in many ways reflect uh, the polling challenges that these candidates have. Right, and, it, and if you look at that graphic, it looks like there are two incumbents in this race, and then there's everyone else, and they are way, way, way behind. Um, and someone like Mike Pence, 
has has struggled to gain traction in the primary, has struggled to gain traction with voters because anti-Trump Republicans see him still as the loyal lieutenant who, who talked about the broad shoulders and looked dewy-eyed at Donald Trump for, for four years until one day when he crossed him and he refused, when, as Pence would say, he stood up for the Constitution instead of for Donald Trump, and he became an apostate. So he doesn't have, he, he's a man on an island. He doesn't have a constituency uh, in the Republican primary. Um, he's making a go at it. He's trying to get evangelical voters. He's talking about, you know, conservatism versus populism and all of these big ideas that would have probably gone over pretty well in 2012. Yeah. Amy, in the minute we have left, are we at the point now where Republican candidates not named Trump, DeSantis, and Haley need to think about getting out of the race. Well, even DeSantis and Haley don't have a whole lot of money behind them either. And I, and, and I think that's the reality right now, which is if you look where we were at this point in 2019, there were a number of candidates who raised a lot of money, a lot more money than this tier of candidates under Trump is uh, raising. And it tells you about where the enthusiasm of the party is. It is with Donald Trump. This isn't about the fact that there are too many candidates or they're splitting the vote. The candidates are not just showing up in the, I mean, the voters are not just telling pollsters that they're supporting Donald Trump. The fact that they're not donating mm. to the candidates is another show of the lack of enthusiasm for an alternative. Amy Walter and Tamara Keith. We'll see you back here next Monday. Indeed. <laughs>